2: Good morning.
0: Hey, good morning, how are you? Wonderful, cool hat. Thank you, thank you very much. You're welcome.
2: Um, So realwatersports.com, Scott, currently is giving 15% off surf accessories. This includes wetsuits, fins, traction, leashes, board bags, all accessible when you purchase a surfboard. So put a surfboard in your cart, throw any additional accessories in there, automatically they'll take 15% off those accessories with the surfboard purchase.
0: Well, that's great news. And I mean, every time I buy a board, I'm end up picking up a leash or some fins, or, um, I know a lot of guys use traction. I'm not a big traction guy, but yeah. Why wouldn't you real water sports?
2: It's funny how much this relates to that Brian Dickerson article that will, um, Discuss later in the show that's posted on Stab that you contributed your voice to. Uh, it makes perfect sense that you would offer discounts on the accessories and not the surfboards themselves.
0: I'm not even sure what article you're talking about. What did I say? No. I, guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> hey, look, you're a pro.
2: Good tease for later in the show.
0: Oh, man. Um, yeah. So, real but, water sports, of course, you and I are big fans, and uh, trip's a big, big, uh well, he's a friend, and he's a totally he's a friend of the show, too.
2: Here's what I love about this world that we're living in. Uh, All of our listeners now have become partners. Not only do they kind of guide the feedback of the show and um, who we should interview and all that sort of stuff, but they're also our sponsor partners. The guys from NVS, listeners of the show, Need Essentials, listeners of the show, for years before they got involved. And the same thing with Trip. So it's kind of like for the listeners, why not support? your like-minded fellow listeners and their businesses. It's stuff that you need anyways. And it's um best quality in the market, you know, best quality version of it in the market.
0: Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like, it's kind of in a weird way, it's like, you know, support your local community, like small business kind of vibe. It is. Except our community, our small local community is a local online digital community.
2: Totally. It's not geographically local anymore, but it yeah. still is small, like-minded, want the same stuff, do the same stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I mentioned NVS fins. Those can be among the 15% off products that you add to your cart because real water sports also carries NVS fins, um, as does of course surfnvs.com. So great partners, fellow listeners, why wouldn't you support? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. It's Spit. It is Wednesday, April 13th, and uh, David Lee Scales, Scott Bass here with you talking all things surf. And we're in the middle of the Bells event, and there's some other news um, happening in the surf world. So we've got a good, thick show for you here.
2: I've got my notes packed. I'm excited to dive in,
0: Scott. Where should we begin? Um, Well, why don't you just take us where you feel we should go?
2: I'd go. Let's go, since we're mid-Bells, I hate that we kind of sometimes dominate our conversations with WSL, but let's avoid <laughs> it on a week when there isn't Bells. Since there's Bells this week, we'll go ahead and hit it. Um, I just want to read the opening of Steve Shearer's piece after day one of the Rip Curl Pro at Bells Beach. He opened his article and he said, we've all been gorging on surf porn, the Superbank, Deadmans, et cetera, et cetera. For what feels like months now so a crappy or a scrappy head-high day at Bell's is always going to look unlovely by comparison even with the best of the best on it. Two years off the schedule and despite the best efforts of the commentary team there just wasn't a great deal of enthusiasm for the proposition that in the case of Bell's absence has made the heart grow fonder. A handful of crew on the beach could not generate any kind of sporting atmosphere, and the eight heats surfed on day one. Only one of the eight heats surfed. only one wave breached the excellent mark. A hell of a lot of fours and fives, or in the case of wildcard Mick Fanning, twos and threes. I don't understand the dream, or I do understand the dream of Mick Fanning doing what he does on the Bells Bowl in the final with a bunch of young lions, or even better, facing off with Kelly Slater in a 2012 redo. I really do. It's an incredibly seductive idea, but as T.S. Eliot made clear in his famous poem, The Hollow Men, quote, between the idea and the reality falls the shadow, which is where Mick Fanning's wildcard performances have been.
0: Leave it wow, that. that's awesome! And um, let me just say that mine show notes are filled with Steve Shearer as well. <laughs> and I think we he makes it too easy. A tip of the cap to him because um, there are some other there's some really good surf riders out there right now, and he's at the top of my list. I just really enjoy reading his stuff because he seems to kind of nail the way that you and I feel about a lot of things. Not always, but more often than not, and He seems to have a sort of a heartbeat for where this surf populace in general, the hardcore surf populace, you know, the guys in the parking lot that are talking, he seems to have a a real sense of where we stand on a lot of these things.
2: Well, I think the way that in the quote that I just read, it's critical, but it's not um mudslinging in any way you know what i mean like he, sometimes because we're freestyling on the show we're liable to miss word things and maybe um ruffle feathers i feel like his is tempered he said exactly what needed to be said without saying anything too negative like that the comment about mick fanning yes he got twos and threes yeah you know it's it is what it is yeah. you don't need to say anything more
0: yeah he does a great job and and, and uh You know, some of the stuff that that I pulled out of his writing from day two of the competition, which is exactly how I felt, which was there was a time and I don't know if listeners saw this, but there was a time and I don't even remember what heat it was. And that's the point. Elo and Rabbit were in the studio with Joe and they were talking and that was for whatever reason, I was much more tuned in to what was going to happen in the studio than I was out in the surf. Now, maybe that's on me. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because you and I are so close to this and we watch it so tightly that, that that's where the energy is, but that shouldn't be where the energy is. And, and Steve Shearer brings that out in his pieces. Like, look, I was way more excited about what was going to be, uh, you know, unfold in the booth here between Elo and rabbit, and uh, I don't know. Did you feel that way? Did you happen to catch that moment of the broadcast?
2: I haven't. No, I did not catch it. Um, I saw imagery of it. I think somebody sent me, I forget what, a screenshot of, I forget well, let what me, they were even referencing. If you'd what, like, what, what, what unfolded? Yeah.
0: Well, let me just, I'll, I'll kind of, um, I pulled a couple of paragraphs from Steve. So I'm quoting Steve Shearer here. Great, great writer. WSL CEO, Eric Elo Logan sat in the booth with Bugs and Joe Turpel for a heat. Elo was there primarily to pump the tires on the new Apple Plus Pro surfing docu series called Make or Break. The action off the ball, as the management of the sport pirouetted in spirals of increasing levels of difficulty, read desperation, to try and court a main street audience, was more interesting than the action in the water. Perfect. But the the WSL has emptied the chamber and ammo in terms of trying to emulate the W the UFC. No pay per view, no huge media deals, the outright aping of the phenomenally successful UFC show The Ultimate Fighter with the WSL's The Ultimate Surfer and its first season cancellation means that strategy has to be abandoned. The WSL does not equal the UFC and never will. Anyone, anywhere, anytime can understand immediately on a visceral level, the brute equation of ultraviolence, the UFC packages up as sport. Hardly anyone, anywhere, anytime can understand what makes one wave at Kelly's tub better than another one versus say the obvious fighting sport of fighting. And I, I kind of, um, cherry picked some of the stuff here so some of this is out of context but he's basically saying elo was there in the booth to go hey we've got this new great thing and steve is going okay well we know that the ultimate surfer was a fail so what's the new great thing this seems like the last bullet in the chamber the last round of ammo and he was there pumping make or break we're going to basically take what drive to survive the formula one offering was which you're a big fan of and try to make it with um the WSL and and Steve's basically saying this feels like it like if this doesn't work to bring in a mainstream audience elo's gonna have to face the music it's just us bro it's David Scott Steve and the rest of the guys in the parking lot we're your audience it's gonna be the hardcore so, surf fans it always has been the hardcore surf fans
2: i agree with what uh steve is saying and he's actually mirroring a lot of the things that we've been saying for years but I do think that the equation can still be solved. It's just Elo is keeps forcing the same pe- uh, peg in the round square peg in a round hole. So, so where Steve, Steve is right is the tub example will never uh, be as interesting as the UFC example. It's easy to understand fighting. Therefore, the UFC just has to package it, and everybody in the mainstream can identify who the better fighter is. What I'm saying is it's easy to understand man versus nature, woman versus nature. So yeah, if you're gonna do it in the tub, now we lost the audience, we lost all the interest, the central tenet of the thing. But if the Drive to Survive series focuses on good surfers in waves of consequence, and then the second tenet is the competition between the two surfers, now you have something compelling. And that's actually really easy to package. But my concern is that Elo's never understood that from day one. And so he's gonna focus on, and the series is gonna focus on, which by the way, Elo is on the uh, producing team for that. So he does have some say over the direction and the content. Um, If he doesn't understand that central tenet that we've been harping on forever, then Steve's exactly right. And this will just be a different version of the ultimate surfer.
0: Yeah. You know, you bring up a, an interesting point, which is what we've been saying uh, for like at least a decade is that the waves of the stars. So if you're telling me that, look, this is simple. It's man versus nature. I would agree. I would say, yeah. But then you and I would both go, guess what? Four foot bells isn't man versus nature. Exactly. Right. What's man exactly. versus nature? Eight foot chopu. Yeah. What, 25 foot jaws. Yeah. Ten foot pipe. Even That solves, that solves everything. It does. And the waves of the stars. And, and it's funny because he's, you know, Elo sat in there with bugs. Who's like the creator of the dream tour, which is kind of a take on his billabong video series that he did for a long time. And, you know, bugs gets it. Like you got to put these guys in dreamy, a dreamy situation. And now what that means, like, if you're the director of the show, make or break, you got to be pulling your hair out going, why are we putting these guys in 10 foot gnarly surf? Like that's, that's eviscerate. Like that's what we want to see. And anyway, look, you and I've been well, talking about this forever, but let me just pull out a couple of other things. That-
2: let me, let me say yeah, real quick, I watched, so I've been looking forward to this series. I've been following the production team is box to box films. Yeah. Uh, they're the ones who actually do drive to survive the formula one series. So you have high hopes based on that success. So, when they dropped the trailer last week, I was excited to see what it looked like. Turns out it looks like Elo was involved in it rather than what we're talking about. So, it shows surfers, fast cut edits of surfers doing turns on three foot waves. And so, now that doesn't translate to the audience because, like Steve said, the audience trying to understand the difference between a 6 2 and a 6 5. At some beach break around the world is a lost, it's a completely futile effort. Yeah. So, had that footage been, you know, Nathan Florence's airdrop at Pipeline or Shane Dorian's airdrop at Jaws fluttering, that now is compelling. Now, that's what the Nazaré, uh, the success of the Nazaré series on HBO was, you know. Yeah. Um, so, that the trailer left a lot to be desired. It really kind of, uh, deflated my hopes and my optimism for the series but i will still watch it i will explain more about that series later but yeah read more from steve
0: so this is actually from um the latest the latest bit from steve that he that he dropped after yesterday's competition and this i think gets to the heart of it and i'm going to quote steve here again it seems to me though and i wonder if you agree with me that the biggest drama in pro surfing is an existential one Whether it should exist at all, whether it is a proper sport, et cetera, et cetera. And David, as you and I know, we've had this discussion at length. What percentage of surfers are hardcore fans? Asked Steve. What percentage are barely there or couldn't give a fuck? But more importantly, what percentage of the surfing community are actively hostile and wish the whole thing would just hurry up and die? And to be honest, I do oscillate between all three positions. And amongst my friend group, I put the split at 10, 50, 40. I can't think of any global sport with any remotely analogous dilemma baked into it. Tennis players hating the pro tennis tour, golfers hating the US Open, motorheads wishing F1 would shrivel up and die, a fighter going up on stage at the awards banquet for the main fighting organization and saying, F the UFC end quote from steve sure and one thing he didn't say which i mean that he did say that i didn't pull into it is wouldn't it be brilliant if the producers the directors of this show brought these questions into the show
2: yeah absolutely of course
0: with elo involved that's never going to happen but that's the drama do we even it, really care the now, now this you is, and i care of course you know like i actually am a fan of Pro surfing, but he's, you know, Steve's talking about, you know, my cousins and your nephews and people that live in Ohio.
2: Yeah. Um, we totally care, but I think it, we're going to reflect back on this era of surfing and it'll be very, very obvious how, I don't know, mockable and far it's come from previous eras, you know, that there's people who don't understand the thing itself that are now the arbiters of the thing yeah. trying to showcase to the world what this thing is. And it's like, you're a charlatan. You don't understand. Why would we give you the keys? And they're driving it off into a different direction that we ultimately know will never ever find an audience because it's not understanding the essence of the thing.
0: Yeah. They're, the number one thing that needs to happen here for this show to be a success and it's too late is Elo needs to get his hands off of this thing. And he said something, and I don't know if everybody caught it, but when he was in the booth with bugs and Joe Turpel, they were having a discussion about all of this stuff. And bugs was talking about the dream tour and Elo sort of slipped something out. And he said, yeah, not like it was back in the day. And I just thought to myself, Hilo wasn't there back in the day you can't claim he wasn't even paying you...
2: attention back yeah in that's day. my
0: point you you can't claim that you remember what it was like back in the day and he was trying to set some 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 like framework of authority you know like right and we need salt in this yeah. show and i don't think well, we have any authentic salt in this show
2: well i hate to point out we need that jake when... patterson I hate to point out that whenever they've gotten salt in, it really feels like it's only to leverage that person's street cred because they ultimately neuter them from making any important decisions. And then that person leaves within two years, if not within one year, because I think, well, I've had conversations with them because they recognize that they're only being leveraged for their street cred. That's hugely problematic. Yeah, it is.
0: And so, this whole, this and whole it, concept that this show is like the last gasp to get a mainstream audience. Now, I will say this, I bet the audience has grown a lot. Like I have nephews of mine that are not hardcore surfers, but that always talk to me about the WSL and they watch the events. And I'm kind of blown away by it. I'm like, really? <laughs> like so, they're like Felipe over, you're like they're kind of engaged. So I asked myself, maybe it's working on some level. But I think what's happening is they're pulling in a very small percentage of mainstream. Like they're adding to the audience a little bit, but even my nephews will be like, yeah, it's only kind of fun when it's pipe. Like yeah. they even get it. Like the mainstream audience is like, dude, don't bore me with the wave pool. It's stupid. I'd rather watch tennis.
2: Well, the audience, they're never going to grow to the level that they want. Even if they've grown a little bit, exactly. the little bit only would have sustained the pay-per-view model that we've been telling them to do for five years now. So we understand they're never going to get to the, uh, size of UFC in terms of mainstreamness, who by the way, operates on a pay-per-view model largely, but they're able to sell more pay-per-views because of the success of the TV show that UFC had. So they kind of, they navigated that really well, but the WSL still has the pie in the sky dreams. They haven't pivoted from that goal that we now know was not is not attainable because by the way, the entire media landscape has completely changed. And so there's a thousand examples of very successful, smaller, leanly run good businesses. They're not trying to be the hundred million dollar audience or the hundred million viewer business, just a million good fans, you know, is kind of what you need. And, so we've been kind of advocating for that pivot because they can still cater to us, the core surfers, and we would pay the sixty bucks to watch the pay-per view so they've grown slightly to a number that will support the pay-per view model ultimately, I think is what's happened
0: and some I'm having sort of a weird thought but in some regards it sort of feels like there's nobody in the building that that has the that that has the desire to go, hey, Ela, this isn't how we should do it. We need to completely change course. We need well, to, you know, we there were those people in the building. So it's like here's what's, it's like there's nobody that's willing to tell Putin that, dude, we're screwing up here. Here's what's crazy is, we've been beating the drum for
2: as long as the WSL has been in existence because you and I have both worked in the space, we're looking at it under the microscope so we could see these things uh, shifting in this direction early on. But what's crazy now is that the new viewer sees these exact things. I get feedback from listeners or whomever that uh, new listeners who haven't been listening to us from all along who are like, God, It is clear as day where the missteps are being made. Why in the world are they doing X, Y, and Z? And then I kind of break it down and I'm like, oh, because this was set in motion long ago. And then so-and-so got involved Who is a good person who understood, or not a good person, but not that anybody's bad, you know, but- Actually, um, that's
0: important. Go ahead. I do want to say something after.
2: Yeah. Thanks for helping me clear that up. But here's a person who understood what surfing is at its essence, who- tried to recorrect the direction of the ship for the own company's best interest and here's what that person's experience was like in the organization and here's why they left here's why they said you can never pay me enough to go back there <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and and so then the the new viewers like oh okay yeah i guess it's clear as day to me the new viewer but
0: you know what, what hopefully we'll well first of all Hey, wouldn't it be great if this series is a success and they bring in more mainstream audience? Actually, maybe not. I don't know. That's a rhetorical question, but it needs to be answered. Maybe it wouldn't be good because we (laughs) continue down this road. However, I want to say this, that I like Eric Logan. Elo's a cool guy. He's a very nice guy. I've had lunch with him. I've talked with him. He, we text. I only wish the best for the WSL and for Eric. And that's why we're saying these things. I'm like, you know, but again, He's kind of going, okay, you, you know, Scott and David, you guys over there, you're the hardcore fans. We have faith that you're never going to leave us. So we're going to try these other experiments out here. And that's kind of how it feels. And okay, more power to you. Actually, that's fine. I'm not that involved. I'm not that engaged. I'll watch Pipe and I'll watch, actually, I'll watch Bells if it's eight foot, you know, or until my Survival League guy's gone. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I
2: haven't been watching Bells. I'm okay, a hardcore well, fan. You, and I you you haven't been
0: watching. You haven't been missing anything. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so I, yes, I, I agree with I you. Air, Air. Everybody should li- should be reading what Steve Shearer is. And by the way, one more thing, and then I'll give it back to you. What I think would happen in the perfect world is, is they would take the whiteboard, they would spray some stuff on it and clean the whiteboard completely off and go, what do we do here? And to answer that question, they would bring in Steve Shearer. They would bring in people like him. They would be- bring in, you know, Sean Doherty. They would bring in Evan Slater. They would bring in people that could um, help shepherd this thing. Uh, of course, we're assuming that they all agree that the waves are the stars, and we could put friggin' Jamie O'Brien in eight foot pipe, and everyone would watch.
2: First of all, I don't know that any of them or us are coming in at this point. No, at I'm just saying, point, that perfect, but, perfect but agreed. I agree. I'm just making a separate point that yeah. at this point, the WSL has lost a lot of confidence. In the people who have the most ability to help them correct the ship. So, or write the ship, I should say. So, I agree with you also, Eric Logan, good human being. That's neither here nor there. The corporation is what we're talking about, and the corporation should never have feelings. And the corporation, the people working within the corporation, should only operate in the corporation's best interest and understand that feedback that you and I are giving is also in their best interest. Our interest is for that thing to survive, and for us to watch compelling surfing and the best surfer in the world to win in waves of consequence. That's how they should. That's how they will access their goals of growing the audience.
0: You sound like Milton
2: Friedman. Um, but so you're talking about maybe this will show will be a success. Maybe it will help them. Here's a little secret I'm going to give you, Scott. Yeah. Even if this show gets renewed. And makes well, actually it already has been renewed for season two. Um Apple Plus audience is not the UFC sized audience of all the streaming platforms. It's Apple growing. Plus, it's fine that it's growing, but it's not what we're talking about with Netflix. It's not what we're talking about with Hulu or even with HBO Max. And and even I with agree, HBO. But so I think what you'll I'm be saying...
0: surprised. Look how fast Netflix got huge. I think Apple Plus. They've made massive investments. They're making some great shows. I'm actually watching a lot of shows on Apple Plus. Now. I'm
2: watching a lot too. It's just they're going to grow the same David. audience size. Well, it's
0: but it's going to not. Grow.
2: Here's my point: is yes, they will grow. This show might be successful. They'll grow it so that the WSL could have the pay per view version of the business that we've been talking about, right. not the UFC version. So what I said the the flashpoint for the UFC to go mainstream was the television show that was, it was still cable, but it was on a cable that was highly accessible to a broad range of people. Apple Plus doesn't have that same power to unlock. Right, I understand exactly. It's still a niche thing. And this whole slate of uh, sports related documentaries that they're building out, it's still done, done in kind of this niche fashion. So it'll take surfing from a tiny niche to a less tiny niche but not that huge unlock that the w that the ufc had
0: right Make, I, I think I it will i think saying. it
2: will be successful by the way this show yeah
0: yeah i well let's see what happens you know um will well, we me... ever see a day when the waves of the stars and it's for lack of a better phrase it's a purple blob tour and they're just well, only no. running events and waves of consequence like waves where the guy in ohio is like oh rad this is insane you know like my favorite big wave surfers in an event here at Can And it's, and when they wipe out, they, they come up with concussions.
2: We won't with the current management team and possibly not with the current uh, ownership. I'm, I'm not convinced that Dirk understands what you and I are talking about. And I think that his interests are uh, more ideological than they are kind of in the
0: surfers best interest
2: like social
0: socially ideological so the involvement does understand what we're talking about i think he just isn't going to implement it because he's got he's trying to make dirk go dude good work you know and for dirk to say good job he needs to grow the audience and he doesn't he doesn't it's not that he doesn't care about the hardcore fan like you and i but that's not his focus right he feels like he's got us. And in many ways he kind of does. Although Steve is saying, Hey, many of my friends could give a, you know,
2: well, he doesn't, he doesn't have us because honestly, I used to write and uh, record detailed reports on every single event. I've stopped doing yeah, that. Yeah, But that's more it's on you maybe.
0: I mean, you're growing, no, 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 up no. getting older. No. You have a family nope. now. You've got nope. way more. Nope. Intru-
2: Entirely untrue. Okay. The reason I stopped doing it is because we had to run in beach breaks. And I wrote four reviews in a row four a uh, contest in a row where I was trying to understand the difference between a five, seven and a five, four. Yeah. It was like, like Steve said, we watched this full day of competition. There was one excellent ride. Well, if the WSL doesn't care enough, why should I care this much to do this amount of work to try to understand the nuance between these things? Yeah. I can't watch an entire day of surfing just to see one excellent ride. Yeah. That's insane. I could scroll my phone and see it a hundred times over because somebody's surfing yeah. in West Oz right now. That's you know? a great
0: point that you and Steve so, make. It's such a good point.
2: And so I'm what I'm saying is. You've lost your core fan now. I am not watching the Bells event. I check it at 4 p.m. our time when the day starts. I'm like, wow, wind blown and crappy again. I'll just see if my guy wins his heat. That's all I care about at this point, you know? And I'll check in when we go to Margaret River.
0: Hey, let's take a quick break because this tea went right to me. Let's go to commercial.
2: I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Welcome back. Um, Yeah, it was like, um, once you get to be my age, it's like uh, drip, drip, dash. It's like Morse code. It's like I'm sending out an SOS (laughs) when I urinate. You know what I mean? A little drip here, a little dash there, dot, dot, dash, dash, dot, dot.
2: Who'd you send a message to?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What did the message say? It's an SOS or it's to ELO. It's like, please.
2: Um, So can I explain the Make or Break series? Because it's coming up uh, in two weeks. Give some listeners details on it. Obviously, you have to to subscribe to Apple Plus to get it. Um, From their press release, Make, make or Break offers an intimate deep dive into the aspirations, challenges, accomplishments, and personal lives of the surfers who compete to remain on the Elite 2021 WSL Men and Women's Championship Tour, and takes viewers on a journey of stunning surfing locations across the globe. The series follows the 2021 competition, navigating as the league responds to the global pandemic, with while exploring the dynamic surfing culture along with timely issues, including diversity, mental health, and the physical impact of the sport. Each episode is the seven part, each episode in the seven part first season of the series Spotlight, Spotlight's internationally recognized surfers and features never before seen interviews with Kelly Slater, Stephanie Gilmore, Gabriel Medina, Tyler Wright, Idolo Ferreira, and Tatiana Weston Webb. Um, it goes on to do some other interviews with a supporting cast. The docu-series is produced for Apple by box to box in partnership with the WSL. So the executive producers are an Oscar winner, James Gay Rees, who did Exit Through the Gift Shop, and Amy, those are both phenomenal documentaries, along with Formula One's Drive to Survive producer and producers Eric Logan and friend of the show, Ryan Holcomb. Um, And then I also referenced this is that it's joining Apple Plus's slate of sports, nonfiction programming that they're kicking off. So they have a new series on magic Johnson called, they call me magic. That's I think debuting next week. There's a series on Sir Lewis Hamilton called the dynasty. And then the new England Patriots also have a series that's produced by Brian Grazer and Ron Howard. So that's a pretty big deal.
0: Mm. Well, it sounds fascinating. I mean, some of those other ones you mentioned sound really good and look, maybe the show will be great. I would love it if it's great, but it's only going to be great if it's warts and all, you know, if it's just like a fluff piece. Um, I mean, I would question why do I need to watch it? Cause it's going to be packaged and come out like weeks after what I already know occurred
2: a year after.
0: Oh, you're kidding.
2: It's they're doing the 2020. That. They're doing the 2021. <laughs> so I'm going to watch it. And I have a feeling I'm going to like it. Um, Cause it, you know, adds contacts, all this sort of stuff. But yeah. again, I don't think it's going to be this huge leapfrog into superstardom, mainstream right. America. It'll right. just grow our little niche, right? Ten percent more, yeah. you know, or whatever. Um, we, you referenced your survival pick for bells, yes. which you would yes. not reveal last week. It has well, I guess we don't know if they've survived yet or not. But who do you got?
0: I have Griffin Cola Pinto.
2: Yeah, me too. Uh, has so you do, took my advice? Yeah.
0: I did, and it's looking like a scary heat. That's actually going to take place today, I believe. Um, we're uh, in California here, and on Wednesday the, the 13th, it'll probably take place around 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I, you know, it'll be Owen Wright, who is surfing against frankly looked really spicy and really good in his heat that i watched and i've actually been watching a a bit of it a bit of the competition
2: i am not scared at all i do not think that this is a huge concern um of course these are famous last words often with me but this is old guard versus new guard owen's been on the descent uh ever since he came back i mean i don't even know what his ranking is now but we, we referenced it a show or two ago. He's way down there. He's in the low 20s, early 30s or something. Yeah. And Griff is coming off a win. You whatever, however spicy Owen looked to you, not as spicy as Griff looked. Um, and this is a point of that I want to discuss with you because this actually comes up every once in a while. Griffin was clearly the best surfer in the water in his heat one which he lost. He got sent to the elimination round, clearly the best surfer in the water. He ended up um, winning that heat, but he was behind for the first half of the heat. But it's an interesting thing where in heat one, I think it was Leonardo Fioravanti was in that heat and like Leo surfs good, you know, like he's up and riding bang, bang. It's like competent. It's powerful. Ticks boxes, not super exciting, but ticks boxes. Griff gets up. And he just looks so loose with so much drive and then hits the lip and bang, fins go spinning around as a 360, goes straight into a bottom turn, boom, vert again. And you're like, whoa, this kid's on a fully different level, but he got crappier waves of course. And so he didn't make the heat just by sheer wave selection, but there was no doubt in my mind that within three minutes of standing on his surfboard, he was the best surfer in the water. You know, it's, but he still loses. And that happens in surfing, unfortunately, all the time, especially in waves of non-consequence.
0: Well, you know, what's interesting is that Taylor, is it Taylor or Tyler at Survival League? Uh, Taylor. I, I always mix those names up. Taylor sent out a thing, you know, basically a thing saying, hey, here's the, here's the uh, round of 32 heats. Here's who's going against who, And here are the percentages. And 20, something like 23 or 28% of the people left in the survival league picked Owen Wright. No. Point, only,
2: point oh, two, three. Those oh, are your point. old man eyes. It, <laughs> it was less than
0: 1%. Oh, I thought it was 23. I was like, oh my God. And <laughs> it was <point> 0.23. <laughs> okay. Well, percentages aside, I I I watched Owen Surf and he looked good. And you gotta you gotta sense there's some make it or break it. Like, this is a make-it-or-break-it heat for Owen Wright if he's going to make the cut. Well, this heat is everything.
2: I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, it's 0.26, the same percentage that Jackson
0: Baker has. Oh, my God. I am embarrassed.
2: Don't be. It was a great moment in podcasting. Um, Like, me
0: dot that dash.
2: (laughs) I'm going to pull up the rankings just to confirm what you're saying uh, about it being a make-it-or-break heat for him. Yeah, he's ranked 30 first right now so he's got a 17th a 33rd and a 17th that's second to last place last place and second to last place so this absolutely is a make it or break it heat uh there's only one event between now and the cut so even if he wins this event i don't know that he would jump up in front of that cut line but um margaret rivers the next event obviously and i don't know i don't think he has much of a track record there either and he's got a tough
0: draw with Griff. That's the thing. Griff is. He does I mean, look super good. I got to admit. Griff. And Griff. It's Griff like,
2: also has his own ambitions, you know, oh because yeah. he's Number seven. So he's right behind the final five.
0: Yeah. There's some. There's some good looking heats coming up. Some interesting heats for sure. Um, I want to say Canoa. I think Canoa surfs against Mick Fanning. I think that's that, an easy heat for Canoa. Is, is that correct? I don't know. Yeah, Mick Fanning, his first heat, he even said he was embarrassed. It was embarrassing. But apparently he was a little spicier. I didn't see his uh, elimination round.
2: Uh, I didn't see that heat either, but I will read to you who we lost. After yeah. all these days of competition, all of this viewing, we yeah. lost four surfers.
0: I know. Thule Wiley. Did you think he was going to win? No, he looked. he looked like a great surfer that, you know, should you know he's just not at that level he's kind of got a funky style and i don't know everyone matt. was like oh everyone was saying he looked like matt wilkinson and i was like no no he didn't <laughs> matt wilkinson's way better than that um
2: uh matt mcgillivray we lost and then two notables uh seth monies and connor coffin um but again a lot of competition for four people to lo- to only lose four people and still have 28
0: to go connor coffin's right there kind of on the bubble isn't he he didn't ooh, have a good. very good hawaii
2: yeah that's a great question i could look that up too uh connor coffin's 18 so he's
0: ooh, he's right ahead of, the, on.
2: ahead of the cut line but with this loss probably behind the cut line now
0: yeah so it's going to be fun to see i i'm actually enjoying the mid-season cut it puts a little bit more interest on this bell's event bell's as you know, David, it, it's this wave that has this ability to accentuate and, and highlight a professional surfer's weaknesses. Perhaps, perhaps is it a stretch to say that that's the case at every of every spot? That every spot has its different nuance that that highlights certain weaknesses that some surfers may have. It seems like Bells is the type of wave where you, you need patience. You got to wait for the wave to come to you. If you kind of over amp, it looks hideous, you know. Yeah. And you kind of got to. I will say Mikey Wright looked surprisingly good. I watched one of his heats. He looked, He's a good surfer. He looked patient.
2: Yeah. Um, I think I think it isn't a stretch. You're right. Bells does that more than other waves do that. Like lowers makes you look like you're a better surfer than you actually are. Yeah, you know? yeah. Bells will highlight some of the flaws and the fundamentals. Um, can I talk to you about surfboard pricing based on the article that Ryan Dickerson bro- wrote, wrote, please, please, please do. You're quoted in the article. How do you not know this article? I don't know. Exists? Where would
0: I find this article? Let me go on stab the- mag. Oh, sure.
2: um, basically this is not a sensational article. It's a real kind of nuts and bolts article to help you understand surfboard pricing, which I think is something that has remained a mystery to a lot of listeners and the premise of the article or the kind of the tagline said, Here's why you won't be getting a bro deal on your next surfboard. Um, And ultimately what it does is explain how low profit margin the business is. The business is designed and the model is a low profit model. And so we need to have a little bit more respect for all of the employees, the laminators, obviously not just the shapers, and then also additional respect for those who are running a factory uh, above ground, as I think Matt Biolis puts it in this piece. Wow. Um, but let me go ahead and read to you some of the highlights so that we can kind of break down the cost.
0: Sure.
2: Brian says, the reason most of us are not getting deals from the surf shop is that the shop makes about 100 to $150 per board sale in profit, which might sound like a lot until you factor in the complexity and costs of stocking complete lines of foam and fiberglass. People tell me that boards are too expensive, said Darren Broadbridge, former manager of Europe's largest surfboard factory, Euroglass. He said that means that the consumer wants the factory to pay less to their workers so that the consumer can have a cheaper surfboard. I would tell these people that asking for a deal, that they are paying too much money or what, or no, that's basically says you're not gonna get a deal. Darren noted the wholesale price on a $40 t-shirt can be as low as $10. So there's much more margin built into t-shirts and no employee at the surf shop has to spend an hour with a customer to sell that t-shirt. Uh, Matt Biolis says, with fully legit above ground tax paying brands like ours, who pay fair wages, workman's compensation, contribute to social security and insurance, payroll taxes, et cetera, and then run our business on a wholesale model, it requires a wholesale price, which does not leave much room for markup for the retailers. Domestically built surfboards sold at retail via a two tier markup channel, Wholesale retailer, um, are marked up proportionately to put work into the production. Scott Bass says, my gut feeling is that for an independent underground shaper, making a clear white, no-frill, six two shortboard in the USA, the cost is probably about $450. That's without the shaper's own labor cost. So for he or her, uh, they tack on an extra $75 an hour, let's say for their labor. So that would put the wholesale cost of the surfboard at $525. The retail shop then adds about a 35% margin. So $185 markup means that the board would retail for about 700 to $710. Do you remember saying that stuff?
0: Oh, yeah, Yeah, I do. Okay, good.
2: Uh, But that's, so that's now, you're explaining for the small independent shaper. Yeah. For the factory production, uh, costs come down because they're buying in bulk, but of course their overheads go way up. So the factory itself can the factory itself can be $50,000 a year just for rent and utilities. And then if you have seven employees, Glasser, Sanders, off front office personnel, each paid $22,000 per year, which is a low number, along with another $100,000 going towards those social charges, then you're looking at $250,000 in human resources alone. Yeah. And then- If you have a CT surfer, you can go through 100 finely tuned sleds in a ceiling, the equivalent of about $30,000 in surfboard production costs. Unpredicted shifts in consumer appetites hurt as well. For each hot off the shelf twin fin or mid-length purchase, last year's high-end thruster model quietly shuffles off to the dead stock pool. Then, of course, there's the simple mechanics of stocking in the retail shop and, of course, shipping. So fantastically researched and written article by Brian on STAB.
0: Yeah, Brian's a, a good guy, a great friend. And, um, and it, it's a good article. You know, one thing that sticks out to me is that some of the costs, obviously, in France are way higher than in Portugal. You know, like and you're Spain, talking.
2: They talk about that, too.
0: Yeah. Like, so, you know, they talk about the CI model. They do. They're like they were being made in France and they're like that's too expensive and they pulled out and they made them they made the European boards in Santa Barbara and then that got to be too expensive so they were having them done in Spain, right which is where the lower costs are so anyway I can't speak to exactly what's going on at Channel Islands but um, well
2: I can I Brit I've talked with Britt about the, I asked him about this on the podcast one time when I interviewed him maybe two years ago yeah. and it was a full uh, business model shift for yeah. CI where they tried different things. you know, yeah. go In the example that they gave in the article that we're discussing, CI bought the license back in France yeah. and built a factory, staffed the factory, so that's all overhead, yeah. and then tried to build boards themselves, basically.
0: Yeah. And
2: they realized there's just way too much overhead. You have to do a lot more volume. So the model that they've shifted to, not just in France, but around the world, is let's utilize an already existing factory mm-hmm. and work very tightly with them using our own method, obviously our files and designs, but also our own methods and techniques and even materials. We'll send the exact same materials over and um build them to our specs. So Channel Islands boards in Central America are made in Central America. Channel Islands boards in Australia are made in Australia. In Europe, they're made in Europe, and that also reduces a lot of logistic nightmares too in terms of shipping surfboards. Um, and that well, model, would... really... if you can manage the employees and the staff to yeah. your specifications, yeah. that's the big on unlo- or the big way to kind of the big hurdle here. But if you can do that successfully then you can achieve the same quality that you do abroad at, that you do at home.
0: And I was specifically commenting that in Europe, the price to build a board in France is so much more than it is in Spain. So yeah, yeah. that's all I was getting at was like, look, France has, in, has a ton of overhead.
2: And the article does, does discuss that too. And said, there's a lot of shops being set up or factories being set up in Spain, to supply the European market now for that exact reason, and the other thing that we that the article doesn't discuss but we should is skilled labor. It makes a huge difference here. So, if you are a business that is um, uh, reliable, essentially, is what it comes down to, and you can pay an employee a fair wage for the foreseeable future, so that they can feel safe about their family and having a mortgage and all that sort of stuff, then you can retain that employee and that employee develops skill. You know, a 10 year laminator is more skilled than a first year laminator. And the way to get that 10 year laminator is to be able to pay them more or equally to what they're making in construction or elsewhere. And that was a big problem that we've had here for a long time.
0: Yeah, it's a great article. I'm I'm sitting here sort of skimming it and um, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff to chew on here. And um, I would advise everyone to go on to stab and take a peek at it. Uh, at the end of the day, what I'm getting from it is that there will always be room for that young underground shaper just to, to start a little surfboard company. Um, you know, because his needs, he doesn't have a family, he just wants to jump in his van and go surf in Baja or whatever. Like he, you know, But it's when that guy becomes 30 and decides to get married, and um, and has a family that, especially here in Southern California, I'm speaking about, that it's a tough go. It's a real tough go of it.
2: But they can still do it if they maintain a day job. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> look at all the examples, Valerie Duprat, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm talking,
0: talking about like happen. this is your career. But
2: yeah, but if it's a passion, you can still pursue your passion for sure. For sure. And I mean, you and I—that's called a hobby. <laughs> no, I mean, you and I have the hobby of making a podcast for a decade, but we okay. still have other, you know, yeah. gainful employment. Yeah, that's true. So
0: By pursue way, your passion
2: it. for a passion, not because of the paycheck.
0: I, I did receive an email about Sailor Karen. We oh, spoke about nice. Sailor Karen at San Onofre having a having a tizzy fit. Yeah. And um, basically this email says, look, about Sailor Karen, Stop destroying people's names. Way back, we massacred Dick, which was a fine name. We decimated poor Brandon. And don't get me started on the stupidity of naming deadly hurricanes. So Sailor Karen, Sailor Ken, basically this emailer saying, stop, what's the word, appropriating names and ruining them. Can you imagine? I mean... The name Karen. Yeah.
2: I bet there's been zero babies named Karen in the last two to three years. <laughs> or
0: Ken. Ken and Karen I mean,
2: And now if you are a 20-year-old named Karen, or it doesn't even matter what age you are, if you are named Karen, you better just change your name now.
0: Yeah.
2: It's been okay. completely tarnished.
0: Carrie. Change it yeah, to exactly.
2: Carrie works. That's fine. Yeah. Easy transition. It
0: works for um, Ken,
2: too. My must-see moment is... Always something that I look forward to. Need Essentials has released a new film um, that they produced. Ishka, of course. Ishka Folkwell is the filmmaker. Torn Martin applying the equation that just ain't broke, so don't fix it. Um, they go to the North Atlantic and find empty waves. And of course, Headland the, is the music, um, the musical group that they use to score their films. So it's that same equation again, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful surf film set in the north atlantic frigid 41 degree water oh, and yeah. right right point breaks right wedges uh with torrents surfing of course is triple stringered morning of the earth um boards and it's just sheer beauty it's called distant shores
0: cool man i'm going to take a peek at that um i have not well, yet seen it
2: you want to hear i mean Torrin martin somebody who we are well aware has been living a dream life for the last five years or so traveling around making surf films well he is uh, evolved in the version of the dream he has settled in with a young lass ayana they moved onto his 35 foot sailboat and <laughs> they're making they're starting out in the gulf of thailand near bangkok they've crossed down into the south china sea and they're sitting off the coast of Malaysia. The, the goal is to make their way down to Indonesia
0: for the surf season. Wow. That's, that's uh, an adventure right there. Good for him. How about that, dude? Yeah.
2: I mean, we can document the journeys that he and Ish- Ishka have done. Yeah. You know, three months from, what was it? The UK down to Africa. They did New Zealand. They're documenting all of this. We're seeing the waves that he's getting along the way. He's living this totally adventurous lifestyle, documenting all of it, making a living doing it, surfing all the time, and then goes, you know what, Ishka, you've been great, but I'm getting a little tired of you. Bring on my girlfriend on this next trip. And you know what?
0: Forget about the four wheels. We're going sailing. And uh, you mentioned it, but tell me once again, where are they initially sailing to and from?
2: We started in the north of the Gulf of Thailand near Bangkok, crossed down through the South China Sea. We're just off the coast of Malaysia, and the plan is to make our way down to Indonesia
0: for the surf season. Dude, that is a gnarly stretch right there. That's a sketch. That's a, good for him. That's crazy adventure. I hope he does document it somehow. I'm sure he will. But I'm telling you, that's, a, that's where all the piracy goes down, man. That's a yeah, sketchy I- scene. I mean, it, look. I mean, sailing on the open ocean is the, the last wild frontier. You know, like totally. especially right where he is, there's nobody there to help you. Like guys could just roll up on you with guns and just go, "Give me your yeah. girlfriend and you know your Bitcoin, and you're it's, done." You know, like it's pretty. And he's on a
2: thirty-five footer.
0: Oh my god! I hope he has protection. How know, much could you have though? A gun.
2: Yeah, but I mean, compared to pirates, you can't have enough guns. That's you know, true. pirates don't come under equipped. Um, well, this again, I discussed in various podcasts with Torin and uh, the owner of Need Essentials, the founder Ryan Scanlon, yeah, in Australia. And Ryan lived this lifestyle for quite some time. He used yeah. to be with Quicksilver, and when he left Quicksilver, or even when he was with them, he lived on a sailboat. And so he did years and years of just kind of nomadic sailing specifically to surf. And so he was kind of an influence in Torin's sailing journey. How
0: much experience does Torrin have as a sailor? Do not a ton. Not a ton, oh but God. he's been at it. He's been
2: learning for a while now and taking yeah. it super seriously. And Ryan for sure would not let Torrin do a trip like this if he was not prepared.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's fine. And, and Torrance seems like the kind of guy that's going to adapt quickly. Cause just the nature of what he's gone through in his life already. He just, that's kind of his MO now is to just, and, and a lot of stuff is going to be thrown at him. I mean, sailing is not the cup of tea that all the beautiful pictures make it out to, to be. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it probably goes without saying, but this is of course, why neat essentials or how it was created was Ryan living that lifestyle having worked for a big brand and understanding that you don't need all of the stuff that we've piled on to yeah. quote surfing. So he's like, all I need is like a black pair of trunks, black wetsuit, that we don't need hang tags. We don't need intermediary distribution systems. Let's just make the quality yeah. of product that we need to exist with. And that's it. And we'll just and, sell it direct.
0: And this trip that Torrance take taking sort of <laughs> speaks to that that aesthetic, right? Like all I need is a boat and some wind and I'm good. Let's go, you know, like totally. I don't need all the first class and blah, 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 you know, but um, how much, have you ever sailed?
2: No, not at all. Pretty crazy. Wasn't around it, you know, like you have to have family members who are kind of into that, but I just wasn't exposed.
0: I don't know if you know this, you might know this, but I worked on a sailboat. I, I flew from Los Angeles over to England and oh. I worked on a hundred and fifteen foot topsail wooden tall ship schooner. Holy cow. And I we I worked out of we left um Guernsey Island in the English Channel and we sailed up to uh basically Amsterdam and then back down the English Channel into the Atlantic Ocean, into the Bay of Biscay, and we stopped in France and Spain and Portugal and I went to um, you know, the uh what are those great islands right there? The beautiful volcano. Azores. No, I didn't do those ones, but, um, and then we made our way down to, um, Cape Verde, which is sort of a jumping off point to cross the Atlantic and go over to Barbados. So I spent a lot of time and this is a boat that there are no wenches. Everything is done by hand. This oh. is an old tall ship from back in the day. a wooden ship. Uh, so it's, it's a lot, man. It, you know, even I'm sure Torren's on a much more, uh, you know, modern design with all the modern uh, technologies and everything which is crucial but uh, it's an adventure it's crazy
2: why did you do that how did you how did that even come about
0: i just got randomly lucky you know like a friend of a friend goes hey my my buddy's family needs some crew members you know they just bought this 115 foot boat They lived up in Washington state. I think they cashed out when Microsoft in the early nineties, when Microsoft killed it, he just cashed out a bunch of money and picked up his family. So I got on this boat with husband, wife, and four kids. Wow. And they were like four years old, six years old, eight years old, and 12 years old.
2: That's insane.
0: And it was me and three other crew guys, like the Scottish guy and an engineer. And and it was, yeah, it was, it was, and this is a ship where I, I was climbing the ratlins in the middle of the night to go out on the yard arm and friggin' drop a sail or pick a sail, bring a sail in. I mean, it was not like stand on the deck and use a wench. This was all done. It was insane.
2: And I'm thinking too, like the navigating. Now we have the internet and communication is improved and all that sort of stuff. But all of that sounds so complicated.
0: Yeah, I didn't do any of that. But, you know, the captain of the ship, the owner of the ship knew what he was doing. This was a massive 115 foot wooden ship. This thing was huge.
2: So how old were you and how long were you gone?
0: I was um, probably like 26 or something like that. And I was on the boat for six months. That's incredible. Yeah. Across the Atlantic. Didn't see land for two and a half weeks.
2: That is an adventure.
0: Were you married at the time? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Had I you was, met your wife yet? No, 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 no. Okay. I was, I was, uh, I was a piece of work. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I was a piece of work. Go on. <laughs> can I don't want to uh, reveal too much, but you know, let's just say I was 26 years old and thought I knew everything. Six and months at
2: sea did served you well.
0: <laughs> I, I'll tell you about it off the air. It's not. It's not for. Uh, public consumption.
2: All right, we'll maintain your pristine
0: reputation in the eyes no, of the No, it's audience. not that. It's just that there's, you know, there's some things that I wish to remain anonymous about.
2: Fair enough. Um well, the other two edits eh, forget it. <laughs> We're good. Okay. Let me just quickly
0: say hey, my my duke is this San Diego surfer Matt Geimer or or, Gamer, or i don't even know how to pronounce his last name it's g-m-y-r but um he was surfing at S- south torrey pines beach and after getting out of the water was bitten by a rattlesnake and his whole leg and everything blew up and paramedics had to come a juvenile one and a half foot diamond back rattlesnake he was bitten by so not very many surfers get bitten by rattlesnakes when they're surfing but was
2: it That's in like the it sand
0: I'm not sure exactly. Um, he just said he came in and all of a sudden he felt like somebody put a knife on his foot, and he looked down and there was a snake. There was a snake attached to his foot, and um, he was rushed to Scripps La Jolla, and they treated him with multiple vials of anti-venom, and he's going to be back and surfing, uh, if in fact he isn't already. But um, pretty crazy experience to be bitten by a rattlesnake when you're surfing. Horrible. But he's surviving, Horrible. and that's he's my Duke Kahanamoku.
2: That's a great call. You don't, it's true. You don't think of snakes while you're surfing, but you should. Southern California, obviously, (laughs) Australia, there's plenty of Africa there. And and I hear what? There
0: were times, there was a time during one of the El Nino years, I want to say it was like 96 or 90, whenever it was like an an El Nino year and the rivers had busted through everywhere in Southern California. And there were like literally like bushels of, sh- of like just riffraff of, you know, weeds and stuff floating in the lineup at the Delmar River mouth. And there was multiple, multiple rattlesnakes floating in the lineups on these you totally. know, reeds that had washed out of the estuaries. And there was dead cows and stuff, too. But I remember the rattlesnakes. It was crazy.
2: There was a tree lodged on the reef at Uppers in that yeah. time, too. Yeah. You know, like it got pushed through. From- sycamore. Yeah.
0: It's a sycamore tree because you know what? That tree was there for a long time. And I've told you the story about how Rob Havasy and myself and Cyrus Sutton went and cut a piece of the tree out. And Greg Long's dad drove us down the beach and we were going to use that piece of wood as the trophy for the icons of foam shape.
2: Yep. That's right.
0: That's that's the short version. Great story.
2: But yeah, rattlesnakes galore. And I remember people tell somebody tell old timer telling me that pch before they built parking lots around huntington beach and bolsa chica obviously the bolsa chica wetlands are right there pch now divides it and keeps it separate but uh those wetlands have tons of rattlesnakes in them so they would of course migrate over onto the beach and you would see you'd park your car in the sand you'd see you'd have to watch out where you got out of the car because yeah yeah, there was rattlesnakes galore
0: it's a thing for sure totally sketchy Watch, watch out snakes everywhere in the water out of the water horrible Okay, look, um, David, yes. until next time, adios and aloha.
1: Well, my name's John Lee Pettimore You're same my daddy and his me before You hardly ever saw granddaddy down here They only come a town about twice a year to buy a hundred pounds of yeast, dance a copper line Everybody knew it, it made made me shine I'm a revenue man, on a granddaddy bad hit left a holler of everything he had For my time, but I've been told I'll never come back from Copperhead Road Like that. And bought they at an auction at the Mason's Lodge. Like. Charge can of sheriff painting on the side. They just shot a coat of primer and look inside. in that Copperhead rule.